Welcome to the Do The Woo Podcast, where we talk all things WooCommerce and any e-commerce news that affects you as a Woo user. Hey, Bob WB here. Brad and myself will be joining our special guest in just a minute, but I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Liquid Web. I know personally that Liquid Web has the best WooCommerce managed hosting that will fit your needs no matter what you're selling or the size of your online store. And for a limited time, use the code BOB-WP and you'll get 33% off your first six months of any of their WooCommerce hosting plans. So do yourself and your site a favor and head on over to liquidweb.com. Now for the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Do The Woo, and we are Bradless today. I don't know if that's actually a word, but I'm going to use it because uh, uh, Brad was not able to join us today, and it's a crazy month, it's August, everybody's doing a lot of stuff. I know that I was speaking with our guest beforehand, and she has actually, uh, I don't know how you could say, carved this time to show up because she is extremely busy as well. But anyway, we have Becca Rice today. How are you doing, Becca? I'm doing great, Bob. It's so good to see you. We haven't chatted in a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time. It's. It, I, I was looking at, with all my different podcasts going on, I was looking at all the different ones and thought, well, I have to have Becca. I know you've been on my other one a couple of times and that's been a long time. So um, I'll be, you know, I'll be pestering you. So you can reassured you'll see me. It won't be so long next time. <laughs> great, great. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I'm going to, uh, yeah, uh, just real quickly, how, how you know, we were talking, I was saying that, you know, it's a busy month. I know you're real busy. Um, and so it's kind of in the latter part of the summer. Um, how's, how's your summer been going and how, how, how are you staying busy? Yeah, the summer has been uh, wonderful. Have had uh, a fair bit of travel um, and have been doing uh, a lot of different stuff in comparison to some things I've done in the past. Um, so I've been working uh, really hard on a lot of new features we've been working on with Jilt, as well as some stuff that we've been doing with our uh, WooCommerce plugins at Skyverge. And um, a lot of my time recently has actually been spent in, in customer interviews. And so talking to folks who are using you know, email marketing for a variety of different things with their WooCommerce stores, Shopify stores, easy digital downloads stores, and uh, trying to get a better sense of you know, how they use different WooCommerce plugins, how those things interact with their email, and kind of um, trying to see the shifting sort of landscape in Woo. And definitely different kinds of merchants using Woo these days than they were you know, three years ago or so. Um, and, and before that. So it's been, it's been pretty fun and, and really fun to kind of dive back into um, that space myself, since that's usually something that we've shared, you know, among our team, everybody's talking to customers and whatnot. Right. Um, but I've focused a lot more of my time on that over the past few months and it's been a blast to get back into it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, probably should backstep here a bit. Uh, for those that don't know, I mean, you mentioned Jill and Sky Verge. Uh, a little bit of what you do is, I mean, it's obvious from um, what's keeping you busy, what you do, but how about the, how about the formal, what does Becca do? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm our head of product at Skyverge uh, where we have 
over 50 premium plugins on WooCommerce.com. Um, and one of our biggest products is Jilt, which is an email marketing app that's built exclusively for e-commerce stores. And so uh, a lot of my time is kind of devoted to working on how do we improve our suite of plugins and how do we make Jilt better for online stores that are trying to improve their email marketing. So, you know, much of my time is spent uh, on user research, UX testing, um, kind of understanding our product roadmap and, and how that fits and aligns with our user needs. Yeah, I know you've been in the space, pretty prominent in the space for some time. You've been at, uh, I've heard you speak at WooConf when that was going on. And uh, and, and I believe you've also spoken at WooSesh, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm very excited to do that again uh, this year. So if yeah. you're listening, uh, Brian Richards and, and Patrick Rowland uh, are going to be doing that again in October. Yeah. In fact, we will be having both of them as a guest here real soon to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, now, I, I know we want to let's talk a little bit about what you're doing. Just I, I just figure since Brad isn't here to interrupt us all the time <laughs> that uh, we could actually no, I, I that Brad, if you are listening to this to see how we handled it without you, I do miss you. Um, <laughs> You're, there's a there's a big hole a big gap in this show, but we're we're plugging through it. But anyway, you have some. I I, I know that you had mentioned that uh, you know Jelk can now send broadcasts, newsletters, announcements. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Because I believe that's not like brand new, but that's you kind of bumped that up as far as the feature in Jilt. Uh, just give us a little bit more about what is going on in that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Jilt kind of, you know, had, had come out of uh, the plugin work that we were doing in the WooCommerce space in a way, right? Trying to understand what are the challenges that merchants are typically encountering, what's hardest for them to do. And a lot of it was around email marketing, you know, not understanding, um, what they should be sending, what are best practices, how can I do this easily, um, when should I be emailing my customers, what kind of emails should I be sending, right? And so this has been a long process and evolution for us of what kind of emails should folks be sending, how do we make that really simple for them, and in a way that's going to drive revenue and really make a significant impact on their business. So we started with automated emails and Jill, right, things like card abandonment, win back emails, welcome emails, you know, those sort of drip series because those are super valuable. Um, we did transactional emails, so things like order receipts, order shipment notifications, like those, those kind of order status emails, right? Um, but newsletter sending, announcements, broadcasts, that was kind of the last frontier for us uh, and, and the biggest one, right? You, that takes Jilt from you know, an app that you typically you know, might use alongside of another email service to something that you're gonna use exclusively for all of your emails. And the infrastructure, to do that is is massive, <laughs> right? And there's a lot that kind of goes into that process and there's a lot that changes about how you manage contacts, how you manage building, um, you know, a list, right? How you kind of get into that entire, you know, email ecosystem. And so a lot of the time that I've been spending over the past few months is, is trying to really deeply understand that problem, right? What is it when you're sending a newsletter or broadcast that you're doing? Are you sending it to everybody? Are you sending it only to particular customers? How are you segmenting? what you're sending to folks, right? Who are you communicating with and how are you doing it? What information are you sending? And then how do you kind of want to manage those contacts, right? Because now instead of just having only customers, people have purchased from your store, 
that you're emailing. Now you have leads, right? You have people who aren't necessarily customers yet. Maybe you're trying to convert them or maybe they are customers and you're trying to, you know, re-engage them or meet them in person or find them at events, right? There's this huge uh, set of use cases for email that we're now addressing. And so that's been a super fun problem to kind of dig into agile. And it is still relatively new. You know, we've had a pretty extended beta period as we've been working through folks and we've rolled that out to a lot of users now. And um, it's pretty much available for, for everyone. Um, and it's been awesome just to see the success with that and to see the different kinds of stores who are now using Jolt that weren't using it, you know, six months ago. Yeah, adding that piece into it, it's interesting when you're, I mean, it is huge. And I, I can't even imagine because, I mean, a lot of these exist only for that reason only. And that's, you know, email, newsletter announcements and adding it and being able to do everything in the box there with Jill. Uh, that's pretty cool. What, I, I, it just occurred to me that what are people, you know, okay, so you've got these, You've. it sounds like you've been listening and talking to a lot of people and trying to figure this all out. Not so much the small online store, but, you know, the bigger, these bigger retailers that may be using something like Jilt, what are their unique challenges or what have you found the unique challenges that you had to address when you added this piece to the puzzle? Yeah, there is a huge diversity (laughs) in, in the way larger brands are using email, which is super cool, right? It's a very neat problem space to be in. And so we found that there's a few different things, right? Uh, Segmentation becoming a lot more advanced is one thing that we found. And so a good example is we, uh, one of my teammates recently wrote a really great, um, you know, uh, blog post on this about segmenting by uh, your cart size, right? So the broadcast or newsletter type announcements that you're going to send to people who have you know, had large order values with your store, that's going to be different than folks who have had smaller order values, right? So these big brands are doing some really cool stuff in identifying their ideal customer segments and personas and speaking to those people more directly, right? The folks who, you know, if your average order value is $50 per order, they're talking to the folks who are under that very differently than the folks who are above that average order value and sending them different kinds of things and trying to engage them different ways. So I would say that as a brand grows, the way they think about their customers and their personas definitely evolves, right? And they go from talking to everyone the same way um, to talking to each of their customer personas individually, right? The second thing we've seen has been with the kind of site you are, uh, that the emails you're going to send changes. And so a good example of this has been with WooCommerce memberships, which has really been super fun to take two of our largest products in Jilt and memberships and see how they can play, play nicely together and do some really cool and amazing things. So we see that brands who are running membership sites, you know, with that's like a purchasing club or, or whatever your membership is, that you have different needs for your automated emails as well as the kind of newsletter and announcement emails that you're sending. And this ties back into the previous point about personas, right? Is that you talk to each of your members differently, just like you talk to different customer personas differently. So we've seen some really cool things with sites doing broadcasts where they're sending, you know, different emails to their members based on membership level than they might be sending to their general customer base, people who are non-members, right? And so that segmentation kind of funnels through and gets way more advanced as a brand gets larger and can kind of, you know, spend more time in tailoring the email content they have to speak to these different people individually um, and to kind of address, you know, speak to them with their needs and, and their experience with the brand, um, which has been been pretty cool to see, right? That these broadcast emails, they're being used very differently, even within a single store. Um, and so we've been focused on giving people as much information as they can 
um, to segment on. So that's things like membership data from e-commerce, subscriptions data, right? They're, all of their purchasing history, which product categories they've bought, which products they've bought. We've tried to funnel all of that into broadcasts so that these, these folks who are kind of leveling up their email can use all of that data effectively. When you're talking about, about how it, it kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a rabbit hole, but the segmentation <laughs> seems like you could, because I'm thinking of even the cart value, then do they start segmenting by what you're putting in the cart and the value? So it's like if you're putting in, you know, um, the electronics high end compared to putting in uh, maybe um, kitchen appliances yeah, or something. Yeah. Or something high end or low end. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. You, you could, you could spend no all- end to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so that's uh, a, a part where I think our team has been super valuable for some folks right, who are trying to kind of make the jump from, you know, I may send one kind of email to all my customers right? How do I, how do I segment appropriately? What's going to be best? And so a lot of that is around identifying what are your most impactful places to segment, right? And so you may have one product that drives 80% of your sales, right? And so let's take folks who have that product in their cart or who purchased that product, right? And let's talk to them differently and try and engage them more with your brand, um, and, and say, okay, there's other things you might be interested in, or here are some things that, you know, we would recommend on a repeat purchase, or if it's a car, you know, here are some other things that you should add to this car that are going to go well with this product. So it, it really depends on your, your store and your brand and like, why are customers coming to you and what are they purchasing? Because if I, if, you know, I am running, let's say an electronics store and folks have electronics in their cart versus accessories, right? Those lower value carts they might not trust your brand yet. They might have, um, especially if this is their first order, right? Um, they might not be willing to kind of make a bigger investment until they see how you handle, you know, a smaller order and what the process looks like with your store, right? So it's kind of really understanding where your customers coming from. What do they expect when they get to your your store? Is this their first purchase or not? And like, how should we speak to them? And I would say that we encourage folks to add to that over time because you are right. It is a rabbit hole and you could spend all day on this, but the best thing is to, to test and sort of iterate, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of sending, for example, one cart abandonment automation to everybody, let's branch that into two. Pick what you think is going to be most impactful, right? Is it the cart value? Is it the items in the car? Like what is it that you know your customers come to you for? And add one branch, right? Mm-hmm. And so now folks who, for example, might have my best selling product in their cart, they get one version of that email and everybody else gets a different version. And if I see great success from that, now let's start to tailor the folks who, who don't have the best selling product, right? Let's, let's speak to them a little bit differently. Maybe now we segment that card on value. Do they have accessories that is a small value or do they have other electronics? Is it big value? Let's talk to them differently. So you can certainly get buried with it, but it's also something that you can do over time, right? Test it, let it run for a few weeks, see what happens. Maybe then make some more changes. Now, based on all that you threw in there, let's kind of close out this part of the segmentation with some, can you give somebody, let's say they're starting a WooCommerce site and they've got maybe, maybe they have, let's say 20 to 25 products. Mm -hmm. And I know it depends on the products and a lot of variables in place. So you can't give straight answer here, but is there some, a couple or couple, you know, real general tips when people are starting out how to 
approach segmentation in a small store for the very first time? Yeah, it definitely does depend, right? I would say that for me, what it comes down to when we're working with with new you know customers who are using Jilt, um, we try to say, okay, in your store, what differentiates your your best customers? Right? What is it about them that makes them your best customer? Right? And so for some folks, they'll say, oh, well, it's the lifetime value you know they've spent with my store, right? Or it might be something like, oh, I've met them at events or something, right? And maybe you've, you've tagged them in, in Jilt with the event you, made, you met them at. Uh, it might be that they have purchased a membership or a subscription from you. So they might not have spent the most money, but they've like, you know, they've subscribed to something or they have an ongoing relationship, right? So the first thing is to identify like, what is it that makes folks, you know, go, go from a good customer or a new customer to a best customer? What is that classification criteria in your mind? And then focus on segmenting your communication based on that, right? So the folks who are already your best customers, right? Try to get more value out of them. Try to get them to be a promoter, right? A brand advocate. Try to get them to share things about your brand or to purchase new things about your brand. Reward them, right? And the folks who aren't, now you're trying to get them to that point. So if they're a one-time purchaser, maybe we can get them to subscribe, right? Or if they're a one-time purchaser, maybe we can get them to do something else, like leave a review or something like that. So the best advice I can give is, is try to identify one area that you think differentiates your, your VIP customers from your non-VIP customers, and then use that to start segmenting the way you communicate. So probably no store owner can really afford not to, at some point, dive into some kind of segmentation. Yeah. I mean, it's just good business, right? It's understanding yeah. your customer personas and your customer base. And so, you know, if you do that and you understand, like, why are people coming to me? Where are they coming to me from? What are they looking for? What problem you know, am I solving? Um, you're always going to be better off by, by speaking more explicitly to those problems and mirroring those problems back, right? Because then people are like, yes, this, this email, this brand understands what I want. I'm going to come back here. Exactly. Well, this is good stuff because we were able to, you know, focus a little bit on that. And I think that's important. And also the fact that you added that, I, I, I guess I'm still thinking back on what this involved uh, just to the structure of Jilt, adding this component. And I, I, I know we, you probably don't even want to get into that, but I certainly, we could go down, but it, it is amazing that, um, and has this been something that's, been like you said it was like the one kind of that final piece you needed so it's been on the roadmap a bit oh absolutely it, the thing with it, it you know you're absolutely right about the engineering infrastructure to to do this right it's substantial and so um we've been working on pieces of this architecture for you know a year right and so it's been an ongoing thing and uh, i agree with you we could certainly get into the weeds <laughs> about the engineering side of it, right? Um, I don't get to write much code these days, but it's still fun to kind of dig into and understand. And um, it's it's been something that we've tried to uh, deliver value earlier when we can. So even though there may have been pieces of this infrastructure that you know we couldn't deliver the whole thing, we tried to also dovetail it with other projects that could deliver value, right? And so segmentation engine is a good part of that even though this was really necessary for broadcasts, it was useful for everything else, right? So we built it in a way that it could be used first on automations. And then we added a little bit more to it and we added a little bit more to it. So over time, uh, this has been kind of the culmination of a very long process and a, and a fun process, right? But, but certainly much bigger than um, 
than you know we could have accomplished in like a matter of months, at least mm-hmm. with our team size. Right, we're we're still a small company. We're bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I and again I'm kind of just assuming that since you know what you did before with the car abandonment and all the stuff that you provided with Jilt, and now you've added this other piece that the integration would apparently be a lot more seamless between the two rather than having to have several different services and saying, okay, I'm pulling in this, I'm, you know, got to hook up. But even though that has gotten obviously improved over time, having it all in one place seems in a nutshell pretty sweet. Yeah, that was the goal. I mean, it was, it's difficult, right, to set up these automations in some other email platforms that are not designed for online sellers, right? Mm-hmm. And so we come from a space of building integrations, right? I mean, that's our lifeblood as a company, you know, with, with the extensions we've built at Skyverge, we built more than two dozen payment integrations alone, right? Let alone other integrations that we've built, like with Avalara for sales tax automation or, you know, stuff with like FreshBooks, um, for example, right? Or Google Analytics. We've mm-hmm. built a lot of integrations. And so we understand the value in, in that being seamless. We also understand how difficult it is when an API or a service doesn't really map well to the data that you have in your e-commerce store. And so, you know, we've, we've tried to be very mindful of that problem with Joe. So it is really easy. It's not, you know, I have to go add a bunch of stuff to the API to get what I need just to segment my emails properly. Like it's all there. And mm-hmm. so you connect it via Joe and, and the data that's in your store is for the most part available in your emails. The do the woo podcast is brought to you by liquid web. Looking for a top-notch hosting for your WooCommerce site? They have a ton to offer you, plus you'll get 33% off your first six months of any popular WooCommerce plan using the code BOB-WP. This is a limited-time offer, so head on over to liquidweb.com, and a special thanks for Liquid Web for helping us do the Woo. Now back to the show. Well, we're going to move to, I actually just, uh, on the show, we typically try to pull in a little bit of the news. And I think, you know, even the e-commerce people are taking August off because nobody's got much news out there. But there was this one article I came across, and I don't know if other any of our listeners have seen it. And it, I guess the headline caught my eye. It was Amazon's $10 person attempt to wriggle off privacy hook. And what it is, is... They've been offering to pay $10 for permission for tracking their customers. And I'm just like, whoa, okay, well, I guess this isn't surprising in a way. And we all know what security, how it freaks us out and stuff. And they, it says they've had a growing problem. They're trying to find ways to solve it. Uh, might be a step in the right direction, but there's still a long way to go. Um uh, having just thrown this up, what's your initial thoughts? I mean, you're even deeper into the, I, I talk about it, but I, I talk to a lot of people about this. So it's not like I'm buried in this stuff. But yeah, also, I guess, was, what are your thoughts about this? And if they do this and it is successful, what kind of precedent does it set for others? Yeah, this was a <laughs> really interesting article to read. And so I get... I get pretty deep into the the kind of privacy space, right? I'm, I'm uh, working on uh, building a house right now, actually. And so um, I was having this conversation this weekend, actually, about like smart home appliances 
And um, you're like, oh, refrigerators that have like a hub in them and stuff. And I'm like, I come from the software industry. I don't want any of that. Like, I don't want my appliances to join the botnet, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, what's in my fridge being sent off to, you know, to food retailers and stuff um, yeah. for, for, for advertising and tracking. So this is a really interesting space, I think, um, to be in, in terms of like how your data is, is used in marketing. And it, it does freak me out a little bit, right? And, and, and understanding how that process happens, there's just huge amounts of data that are collected about us. And in some, in some sense, you sort of give in and know it's going to happen. And on the other sense, like I still kind of rail against it. And so with this Amazon case, it's interesting because like we all know how much data Amazon records about us and how valuable that data is to them, mm-hmm. right? They have these huge swaths of, of um you know, customer personas and, and this, this huge picture that's painted of what people want and what people like you would also buy. So on one hand, it's cool to see that this sounds like a way to give some of that privacy back to you, right? To make it more opt-in and to, to compensate you for it. Um, on the other hand, uh, the risk I think is that I don't think people fully understand what they're committing to. Right. Mm-hmm. When you give consent to be tracked and just the amount of data that would be coming out of that. So in, on the other hand, it feels like a $10 kind of incentive is maybe trying to mask some of that. Right. Well, you'll commit to it. It's $10. Everybody's happy. But in reality, it's like, do you really understand, you know, what you're committing to? Yeah. So right. it's interesting. And I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Yeah. And then I, I'm thinking, you know, I can just picture the page. OK, uh, here it is. Uh give us permission to track and they'll have this nice little, you know, line of um, their PR. The fine print you can read here. (laughs) And yeah, and then agree to this um, 1600 page document that tells you exactly what that $10 is um, given us because I'm, and I'm thinking $10 at first when I first read it and I I'm looking through here, this looks like a one-time shot. I thought maybe it was like a monthly thing, which would be insane too, because that would be, forever but 10 bucks i mean you know it's there's a lot of things i won't do for 10 bucks and i don't think (laughs) giving away my privacy 10 dollars is quite gonna even um tip the needle for me yeah it's i mean i think that what they're doing there is understanding you know that people just want something in Mm. exchange right and so there's there's some sort of nominal or token amount that we usually tip the balance for a lot of people right um And then there's always going to be a a segment of folks who are not going to care about that. Right. So I wonder if that, if that value will change over time, if it's $10 or $25 or whatever it is, right. You know, it's worth more to them than, than whatever they're offering anyway. Um, But just the fact that they're offering to pay folks for that. um, I guess the other, the other side of it is at least it shows people that your interaction with a service has value Mm -hmm. to that service and it may, you know, the, the kind of silver lining, maybe that it makes folks more aware of that, right? When you're looking at, you know, Facebook or Google or how other, you know, big temp tech companies use your data, that you can see like, oh, this is, this is valuable, right? And, and this is being tracked because now they're offering to pay me for it versus just that kind of like, hey, you know, do you agree to our terms? And by the way, buried in our terms are these, you know, hundreds of words about how we use your data. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's kind of a goodwill, you know, hey, we're making a gesture here. And of course, they have the resources to make a gesture like that. And some people might be thinking, oh, geez, you know, what if everybody starts jumping on this bandwagon? Now, is this another thing I'm going to have to worry about, 
you know, with my store, am I going to have to start giving them some kind of little incentive or, or, right. Yeah. Know. Can I do this as a small <laughs> retailer? Yeah, really. Oh, maybe I'll give you, send you one, a free cup or something, a mug or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, where do you draw the line? So, so interesting stuff. I just had to pull that one out. I thought that's a good, a good little summer, um, summer treat there. Well, <laughs> Uh, I think the only other thing I want to just mention to everybody, and I'm sure most people that are listening know that, I think it was last week or so, that WooCommerce 3.7 RC2 came out. They have a planned release of August 12th. I don't, you know, that's a planned release. Uh, I think they're usually recently pretty pretty straight on with their release dates. But people, I haven't really looked at a lot of what 3.7 is bringing to the table. Is there anything that you can remember i'm sure you guys are on top of it because yeah you have to make sure everything doesn't blow up uh, i it didn't seem like there was anything except maybe some i mean apparent stuff was maybe a little i don't know if there was any changes in the blocks or anything yep product blocks is the biggest thing and so yeah. our team is in the in the middle of you know working on compatibility uh right now across across all of our plugins and so the biggest thing is um including uh updates to product blocks and so if you haven't seen this, it's pretty, it's pretty neat way of embedding products elsewhere in your site, right? And so I think that for a lot of folks, this was way more difficult before Gutenberg. You may have had to use like the product short code to like insert an add to cart button. But if you wanted to do anything kind of more advanced, you know, like hero images or stuff like that, you're usually working with a designer, you're doing that in Photoshop and then dropping an image into like your blog post or your landing page or something. So product blocks is pretty cool in that respect in that it lets you kind of sell your products really easily elsewhere on your site. Um, and kind of lets you, you know, gives you this more accessible way of, of mm-hmm. sort of generating that product focused content. So it's, it's certainly quite cool, you know, to be able to pick out like embed, you know, six products in my blog post or embed like a hero image to feature this product in my blog post or on a landing page. And I think mm-hmm. it helps the folks who are, are definitely more DIYers, right. Of, of kind of using their product content elsewhere on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I think is, is going to be different though, is I don't think, you know, designers or whatnot actually are necessarily adopting this as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have their tooling and their way of doing things that, um, you know, they're still going to drop into Illustrator or Photoshop or something for a little right. while. But I think it does make th- that design a little bit more accessible for the folks who who weren't doing that already, which is really neat to see. Yeah. You know, I I have a question. This would be a good way to end this, actually. I said this was going to be it. But um, I, I just remembered on Twitter, I think it was yesterday or day before, somebody was asking why WooCommerce or what's their thoughts behind integrating blocks actually into the product post type. And I sent an email, I responded to them because I'd had Matt Mullenweg and Todd Wilkins on my other podcast. And I actually asked them that the future of it, and they were, they gave a few um, reasons why probably it wouldn't be happening personally and from professionally and everything from your perspective what do you see would be good or bad about actually giving people the ability to do product, you know, use blocks directly to create their product pages? Yeah, I think that Gutenberg is not quite there yet. And so there's a few things that are different about a product versus something that's purely content like pages and posts. Mm -hmm. Right. And so from our end, um, and, and, you know, obviously we don't drive WooCommerce core development. So all of this you can take with, 
several measures of, of salt. Right? <laughs> uh, but for, for us, the way you know, we look at a product, there's a lot of ancillary data that's associated with a product that is not content-based, right? So things like you know, inventory may be displayed, but may not be displayed, right? Or there's hidden information about a product like um, when you purchase it, what's the, you know, are we aligning subscription dates or not? Does this have one-time shipping? or not? Should we be accepting reviews and whatnot? And some of that can be done within the, uh, you know, kind of Gutenberg um, side panel, right? Uh, that you can, you know, kind of configure settings and whatnot. But that's not really a great, you know, UX and, and friendly interface. We're trying to edit significant amounts of, of product data. Um, so I think that we need to look at the, the product editing experience as a, as a different thing, right? And to kind of understand that there's both layout of the product page and that there's product data that, that should be attached to this that shouldn't be surfaced in Gutenberg, but there's probably a better way to do that. So mm-hmm. I think that Gutenberg needs to get a little bit further along and that there's probably a separation to happen of the way products are laid out versus the way you know you edit the data associated with the product, um, which I think they're going that direction, right? Some of the newer stuff with Gutenberg looks cool and looks like you could do that more of a traditional kind of page builder, like drag and drop stuff around. Do I want an image to the left, to the right, full width, right? Do I want my mm-hmm. pricing data above the fold or below the fold? Where do I want a description? So it would be really amazing to drag that stuff around, right? But I think you need to look at it more like sections, not just like freeform content, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because plugins need to be able to depend on that and to be able to hook into those things and hook into these sections. So it's more challenging than like a blog post. Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's definitely a divide in the way the content is created and that you need to look at the back end experience from a more holistic UX perspective of le- editing the product page layout is not the only thing people do with products. Right. And so we need to think think about that process and that editing process a little bit more discreetly. Um, so I think that it's a good decision not to make the product page editable with Gutenberg just yet because it's not going to address the needs of people editing a product the same way that Gutenberg might address the needs of people editing a page or post. Yeah. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. So, good stuff. Well, I think we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Uh, is there? Let's see. First of all, is there anything coming up for Sky Verge Jilt? Anything exciting in the next few months you want to share, or any news coming up, or anything you're doing as far as getting out to any of those wonderful little word camps throughout the world? Oh, always, always stuff in progress. Yeah, always <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, I think from from uh, word camps. Uh, we will be uh, working with Brian uh, Krogstart at Post Status for something related to WordCamp US. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm also going to be attending Pressnomics for the first time mm, in cool. a couple months, which is fun. Um, haven't uh, haven't attended that yet myself, which is which is pretty cool. Um, on the product side, we've always got stuff in progress, right? So you know, with Jilt, we're doing some really cool stuff in terms of integrations um, that we're working on now. And from our plugin perspective, we've been working with a lot of the integration partners that we work with, like um, Authorize.net, Cybersource, Braintree. Um, we've been working on some cool stuff with them and, and also focusing a lot on compliance stuff. A lot of merchants right now are going through you know, PSD2 compliance. So we're wrapping a lot of that up over the next uh, month or two and uh, working on some new stuff for memberships. It's not too far yet, so mm-hmm. I don't want to... Uh, get to that point. We'll chat about it later on. Um, but kind of looking at sort of the next evolution of memberships. And um, we've been doing a lot of user research and interviews there. Um, mm. Which if you're a memberships user and hearing this, uh, reach out to me, let me know. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at B-E-K-A underscore 
R-I-C-E, because we've been chatting with a lot of folks about how they use memberships and thinking about kind of how we can evolve that product for, for some different kinds of membership sites. Cool. Yeah. Well, a lot of good stuff. And I'm, I'll be intrigued hearing what uh, your team and Brian comes up with at WordCamp US. And then as far as the memberships, I think that that, that looks like a slot for the, um, my other podcast. So I'll, I'm yeah, going to be in touch with you on that. So very cool. Uh, great. Yeah. I think you gave us some ways for people to connect with you. Uh, I don't have anything really exciting coming up. I did want to share one quick thing with everyone. I started, uh, this was something I personally started on Twitter. I started a list. It's called Women in WordPress and E-Commerce. It's kind of a list that I just, I did it partially. uh, It was for my own sake because I'm always looking for uh, people on my podcasts and to follow and learn and stuff. And of course, Becca was one of the first ones I put on the list because she was somebody I knew for sure. But at the same time, I was like, wow, this is something that I just want to kind of bring it to the forefront because I think there's a lot of women that work in e-commerce, but they just, you don't see it. You know, that's not the only thing they do, but they're very involved with it. So I created this list. So if anybody's interested, they know somebody that should be on this list. I'm looking for people or women that are specifically, you know, in the e-commerce slash WordPress space. Just go to um, at Bob WP on Twitter. You'll find in my stream, I've been talking about it. Go to my profile. There's list. And ping something publicly. Say, hey, you know, put me on the list. I know somebody that should be on that list. I want to get it growing. So uh, check that out. Uh, Other than that, uh, last thanks to our sponsor, Liquid Web. You can get their wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Woo Manage hosting for 33% off six months if you use the code BOB-WP. And I, I believe they one of the features that Liquid Web has is Jilt. So, you know, they, they got to be good, you know? <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> well, Becca, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, we did get through this uh, without Brad, and he thought it was 9 a.m. Eastern time, I think. I just looking over on Twitter there, and no big deal. We're, we're doing fine. And, Brad, we missed you, though, and all your, um, your creative talent that you bring to this show boy I, i'm putting it in deep there <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss it, yeah well thanks becca for uh joining me and yeah everybody make sure and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform thanks again becca thank you bob <laughs>